Hello, my beautiful Educritters. I'm your host, Kira West, and this is an episode of Stop the Band, Join the Band, because alone we can do so little, and together we can do so much. Now, I love reading personally. The Hunger Games, The Bell Jar, and don't even get me started on The Bluest Eye. And Zadie Smith, well, Zadie, if you're listening to this, I am available. But we're here to discuss not my favorite books or authors today, although I know you were dying to hear a detailed list, but I have to keep you guys guessing. So here we are today to discuss a very serious and controversial topic that has gained a lot of media coverage recently, and the topic is book banning. So let's get into it, y'all. It's a trend you've no doubt read about, the growing list of books banned in our nation's classrooms and libraries of a war on words. Within the current 2022 to 2023 school year, we have seen a massive rise in book banning throughout U.S. schools. According to PEN America, an advocacy group dedicated to protecting human rights through literature, the fall 2022 semester, which is July through December, alone has seen 1,477 instances of individual book bans. That's a 28% increase in books banned from the previous spring semester. The American Library Association states that within the last two years, there has been an 1,100% increase in individual book bans. A majority of book ban cases are brought about by organized advocacy groups such as Moms for Liberty, an organization with 275 chapters and 115,000 members throughout 45 states that believe in protecting students from what they deem as sensitive or alarming material. Many fault the recent uprising of book banning legislation and growth in conservative groups such as Moms for Liberty on the Republican majority in the Supreme Court and House of Representatives. Timothy Welbeck, Esquire, director of the Center for Anti-Racism and professor in the Department of Africology and African-American Studies at Temple University is among those who recognize the effect of rising conservative powers on censorship in the U.S. People are taking this particular moment, various state governments across this, uh, across the country, to begin censoring or suppressing various forms of teaching that they find objection. And so we've moved from a period that some people have called the racial reckoning to what some people have termed the unreckoning. So there's been a backlash to some of the unprecedented energy around anti-racism and systemic understandings of institutional violence and, and systemic oppression, marginalization. So much of our understanding at least was advanced in that, uh, in that period of 2020, but there was like an immediate backlash. Ethical issues are often thought to represent judicial issues, but this is often not the case. Just because the majority in the public find an idea inapprehensible does not mean that the law will follow the same thought process. We see the blurriness between ethics and laws happening from the South on up. In Missouri, Senate Bill 775 was amended from a bill originally meant to protect sexual assault survivors to include a provision making it a Class A misdemeanor for librarians or teachers to provide explicit sexual material to a student. This means that if a teacher in Missouri is caught teaching students or giving them access to any book deemed to be explicitly sexual, they run the risk of spending up to one year in jail and paying up to $2,000 in fines. Because of the bill's broad categorization of explicit sexual material applying to any visual depictions of a range of physical attributes or acts, public school districts across the state banned 313 books out of fear of criminal punishment after the law went into effect in August of 2022. Over half of the books pulled were about or written by LGBTQ plus people or people of color. 
26 states across the country right now have entered into various forms of suppression. Um, you've got states like Florida that's got their anti-woke law. Um, you've got states like Virginia that have mischaracterized critical race theory and tried to use that as a catch-all phrase to suppress anything they don't like. Um, Arkansas has joined them, other states like that. And so to the extent that it's legal, it's happening at the state level. There's still questions about the overall constitutionality of it, but with the current composition of the Supreme Court, it's going to be very difficult to overturn some of these things with legal challenges. But they should be successful, but will they be successful is another conversation. Book bans are often legitimized as a pursuit to protect children from being exposed to pornography. However, the reality is a targeted effort at science in books that depict topics about LGBTQ plus identity or race-related experiences or authors who represent non-white racial identities or LGBTQ plus identities. These states are disingenuous when they say they're trying to protect children. If they're trying to protect children, they would enact common sense gun laws. They would actually enforce their laws that are targeting people who target children and things of that nature, but they're not. So it's not, so it's not about protecting children. But what they do is they create this moral panic and get their supporters to excited about this idea of saying we have to protect the children. First, it was critical race theory and talking about in the last two years or so. And they were saying that they're indoctrinating our children. They're teaching our children to hate America. And, and not only are they teaching our children to hate America, but they're not teaching the correct version of history. And so that brought a sense of urgency. People have already forgotten that the level of propaganda that happened in the fall of 2020 20, leading into the spring of 2021, people were going to local school boards, they were threatening local school officials, things like that. And ultimately, until they got legislation that they wanted. When they started getting the legislation that they wanted, then they're trying to suppress teaching about sexuality and sexual orientation. That's when we started getting the groomer accusations for people who are in the trans community or people just generally on the LGBT spectrum. And so much of it is a farce. None of it is based and a real concern for children. Of the roughly 1,500 books banned this past fall, 30% include characters of color or discuss race and racism. 26% discuss LGBTQ plus characters or themes. Graphic novels are also being targeted by racist, colorist, and homophobic book banning practices with 74% of the 35 graphic novels being banned involving stories that feature LGBTQ plus characters and 46% depicting characters of color or discussing race and racism. Books that are banned are typically of the young adult or YA category of literature. According to PEN America, YA books are understood to help students gain knowledge about the contemporary world, their own sense of identity, and social responsibility, and help them to develop empathy. Suppressing stories about minority experiences is therefore detrimental to the emotional and cognitive development of children as it stifles their ability to learn about a broader world or find characters to connect with. 
In addition to removing representation of minority groups, many schools are preemptively taking away their students' access to books altogether in a process called the chilling effect. The chilling effect is when libraries will preemptively remove large quantities of books as a fear response to vague and threatening legislation. Wholesale bans or the closure of classroom libraries and school-wide libraries for a period of time is another common fear response conducted by schools in response to the legislation. Indoctrination of children is purposeful. They do this because children grow up and they become adults. Simple as day. And they, in turn, have those same ideas that the minority has. And it has the potential to become the majority as they grow up. Oftentimes, these groups will say that the opposing sides are the ones who indoctrinate the children, when that is nothing more than an argumentation tactic meant to rile themselves and others unaware of that topic into action. However, action is double-sided. And while children may not be aware of what is happening around them, they still have the potential to think for themselves and to know who is fighting for open-mindedness versus ignorance. But ignorance has a way of becoming law. On April 22, 2023, the American Library Association released their annual list of the top 10 most challenged books in America for the previous year. The list is compiled using data from reports filed by library professionals and community members, and also from published news stories in the U.S. According to the American Library Association, 2022 showed the highest attempt at book banning since their organization began compiling such data 20 years ago. The number, 1,269 requests to censor library books in 2022. 1,269. A year prior, the American Library Association recorded just 729 book challenges, nearly half of those that were reported in 2022. According to the American Library Association, the top five most banned books of 2022 are Gender Queer by Maya Kababi in first place, followed by All Boys Aren't Blue by George M. Johnson in second place, The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison in third place, Flamer by Mike Curado in fourth place, and Tied for Fifth Place are Looking for Alaska by John Green and Perks of Being a Wallflower by Stephen Tchotchke. Five out of six of those books, that is 83%, cover LGBTQ plus content. Dr. Malefic Kete Asante, author and professor in the Department of Africology at Temple University, discussed with me the dangerous impact of suppressing Black voices and censoring Black livelihood. You see, because the devaluing of African people means the devaluing of African culture. And when they devalue African culture, nobody wants to know, no, you got to stay away from that. And, you know, you can write a uh, uh, hundred books, as I have done, and yet you still have people who want to ban your books. <laughs> people say, no, don't listen to African-American people, uh, you know, because they don't, they, they want to protect the history that has been created by white supremacists. And that history that's been created by white supremacists is negative toward, toward African people. While book banning has undoubtedly seen rise in the last two years, the practice is not a new one. Timothy Welbeck notes the parallels between today and other notable periods of ideological suppression. 
There was a famous quote um, as Nazism was rising in Germany. They said where they burn books, they burn people. In part because as the fascist government was rising in Germany in the 20s and 30s, what you began to see was the same type of moral panic we see here. Typecasting of people groups, suppression of various forms of history, literal banning and burning of books. And then ultimately we saw what happened with what came from that. Today, like another historical era in U.S. history, the drive to suppress ideas is based in righteous drive for educational purity from conservative groups. Drawing the parallels between today and the years of World War II and the Civil War may seem like an extreme to many, but when you think about the process and the drive to suppress ideas, it doesn't seem so far-fetched. That's because white supremacy has a long history in regard to systemic racism. When people systematically ban the ideas of those without Eurocentric values, they are asserting themselves as superior and others as inferior by doing so. In doing that, they cast those groups as an other, and by making them an other, they create a hatred for those groups. That's often quickly followed by the demonization of those groups within society. Generally, the, the, the demonizations, what will happen is you'll find a group that you will label as the enemy. And then you will begin to ascribe all types of attributes to them that will enrage your support base. These people are groomers or these people hate the nation. These people are responsible for the failures of the nation. You'll see typecasting happening in that way. You'll also see the exaltation of your cause as the only legitimate cause and that these people who have been typecasted as prevention of your cause from advancing in a meaningful way. And so the names and faces may change, the terms may change, but it often begins with that. You typecast a group of people, you say that these people are interfering with the advancement of your cause, and then from there, there must be some type of action that's consistent with stopping them from succeeding. So first, it could be the suppression of ideas. We can't let this idea spread any further. And then from there, it's we have to silence the people who've authored these ideas or advance these ideas. And then it's from there, we have to eliminate the people who hold these ideas until we can stabilize things. It, it, it kind of ultimately builds in that direction. While acknowledging the dangers associated with the growing suppression of ideas in states like Texas, Florida, Missouri, Utah, and Pennsylvania may seem like a lost cause, it's not. Dr. Asante, a band author himself, laments against the current practices of suppressing Black voices in literature and education, but refuses to back down. I happen to be one of the people on the list, and my theory of Afrocentricity happens to be another part of the problem. And so that's a problematic for them, and they do not want that asserted. So I'm now asserting it more vigorously than I ever did before, because that is something that has to be done. It's fundamental to our history, to our culture, to an appreciation of the great achievements of a noble people. 
The future of education and knowledge acquisition through literature is not hopeless, despite how the current conversation and media may make it appear. A phenomenon commonly discussed in communication theory is Elizabeth Noel Newman's Spiral of Silence. The Spiral of Silence is the tendency for a minority voice to gain public control, making their voice seem like the majority voice. Because of the ideological depiction in media, the majority mistakenly think that they are in a minority. That is exactly what is happening now. While book banning is increasing in America, these practices do not reflect majority opinion. According to PEN America, a 2022 poll found that 70% of parents in the U.S. oppose book banning. The way to regain power over ideological oppression begins with understanding that we do have a voice and we do have the power to enact change, just as those who incited the book bans had believed. We can, too, be triumphant, so long as we remain resilient and dedicated. The people who are bothered by these bans, who are bothered by a lot of what's happening, have to organize at the state and local level. They need to be involved in their school boards. They should run for local office or state office or support people who share their vision of the country, who do, and continue to fight against these various things. So let your voice be heard in legislative hearings. We can let your representative know which, how you feel about various issues. And so... I say, I say all of that to say that if you look at what's happening right now, it can cause despair. But I'm always encouraged by people who fought against the evil of their day, even when it seemed insurmountable. And so even if you don't see the end of these things in your lifetime, you should still commit to stopping it. And so that's something that I maintain. There are people who fought to see the end of slavery who didn't see the end of it. People who fought to see the end of Jim Crow who didn't see the end of it. But conversely, there were people who said that this fight has been going on and I can join in with it. And they did see the end of slavery. And they did see the end of Jim Crow. And so we can prevail. But we have to be, we have to, we, we have to be uh, emboldened to pursue the truth, to fight against evil, um, to, be to be persistent and resilient and relentless in that fight because our opponents are. America and opposition oftentimes go hand in hand, even from its inception that just only continued on in its legacy. Slavery was legal at some point in time. Women couldn't legally vote at another point in time. Black people couldn't move to certain neighborhoods at a certain point in time. Every point in history, we have to face decisions about when to rise up and do what's best, not just for our personal values, but for the greatness of society. And with book banning compared to those atrocities, it should be clear as day that we can do something to stop that. The opposition may at times make it feel like they are the majority, as previously stated, but they aren't. People are out here willing and ready to join in on the fight to stop the book banning, to stop all of those atrocities going on, but they just need more help, more media recognition, and more time. Time to make sure that these laws don't go into action or if they have been, be reversed. They need people to want to change a system. They need people to be willing to hit the ground running to do so. Books have been getting banned since BC era times. It is not a new concept. 
books that have been talking about evolution, books that have been talking about religion, books that have done anything to go against the societal standard at the time have been challenged. But intellectuals persevered and those books were able to come back to fruition and society appreciated them even more so. And yet the stories still get written. People still want to share their experiences and people still want to challenge those traditional values embedded within the U.S. system and worldwide. People want to know about people outside of their own ethnicity, outside of their own religion, outside of their own sexuality, because it is the differences between us that make us human. We aren't all going to be the same, but we all should know about each other intimately or fictionally, non-fictionally. A book is a book at the end of the day. And for people to be so frightened by fiction means that they're frightened in real life. So we just have to continue on being activists and we'll be able to read what we like. I'm your host, Kira West, and this was another episode of Stop the Band, Join the Band. As always, a big thank you to our sound engineer, Ayana Days, and our writer and research lead, Samantha Brennan. For more information on book banning, please refer to the links in the episode's description. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you again.